When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Feel good. First, what's that game? Is that technically a game winner? First one. But, uh, Question. All right, here we go. Smart. Looking. Looking for Tatum. Gets it in. Tatum takes it. Makes it. Edwards says, I am hot. Oh, oh, oh man. Right away, Walker goes baseline, sends it back out to Smart. He'll try a three. Got it. Marcus Smart is so good. Marcus Smart is so good. Smart, same spot, same result. Haywood again comes away with it on the run. Bounce pass. Welcome back to the Celtics Reddit podcast. Ben Vallis here, aka Brutal Gash, and joining us, as he always does, the manager of the New Zealand offices for the Celtics Reddit podcast, and all round nice guy. It is, of course, Joe, aka No Scrotes McFly. Joe, how's it going, man? It's good, man. It's good. Um, I think uh, I'm ready to digest the game, I'm ready to, to ruminate on it. That's like what a, we're here for. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, when, when we've got a five-game winning streak, things can't be that bad, can it? Not at all. Not at all. And the Celtics, they did scrape by the Cavs in the end, winning 119 to 113, thanks to a bit of everything from Gordo, Gordon Hayward. 39 points, seven boards, eight assists on 85% shooting. Joe, on our last podcast, the general consensus around Hayward was that we felt happy with his performance thus far, not great, but just like content or happy. Mm, mm. Has that feeling changed at all after today? No, I just, I guess I feel a bit more safe, you know, like more happy. I'm not going to, well, not necessarily more happy, just less, uh, less anxious at the, at, you know, I feel like there's less of a prospect that it'll go backwards, you know, like it's mm-hmm. just one more data point. I don't think this, like, it was cool. It was cool what he did, but, um, it didn't feel like a kind of super meaningful game. Like it yeah. was, it had a bit of a low energy vibe to it, eh? That mm-hmm. this game, you know, that we should have beaten that team by fifteen. I feel, you know, and we kind of didn't. So, you know, if he if he'd scored thirty nine against Milwaukee in that in that uh, that last game, like man, that would really feel different. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Um, it, it seemed like kind of a low energy, particularly mm. on the on the defensive end from mm. our guys throughout the whole game. Like they kind of. I, I, there's two sides to that coin and like obviously they should you know any professional team should never play with that low of energy but the plus side is that maybe our guys are starting to get enough confidence in themselves that they can kind of coast through these games and still get them done and I guess maybe the difference between this team so far uh, this year and the team last year is like we win those games where yeah. the team comes back and it gets close and things get a little bit hairy there. Like they're still pulling it out. Can be hit that clutch three towards the end of the game. Obviously the clutch Hayward rebound and like we kind of just got it done when we needed to in the end, even though it was a little bit messy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're a talented team, you know, and I guess I feel like, you know, um, I feel pretty comfortable with the idea that we're definitely a 51 team at this point, you know, we sort of... Mm-hmm. I, maybe I shouldn't say that. I, I keep trying to preach the gospel of wait till 20 games are in the box before you draw conclusions. Sure. So maybe I should do that. But in that case, we've got nothing to podcast about. So, so let's go ahead and jump. Let's continue, jump. continue to ruminate, <laughs> as, uh, as you say. Uh, Hayward, um, he, he did make it look like effortless and easy 
but I think that's um, you can attribute that to Hayward really coming back. Like he had a really quick first step, um, and like I-, I was watching some of his highlights after the game. I was like, "Is he back?" And so I was watching some of uh, Hayward's highlights from 2015, 2016, mm. and he was like truly an above the rim player back then. Yeah. So I was kind of I was a little bit disappointed watching that because I was like, "Oh, he's definitely not that," but yeah, yeah, yeah. he he's, he's something close to that. Uh, and he's a little bit older, so like even factoring out the injury, like he still is uh, a much more improved, evolved version of, of Hayward that we've seen in a Celtics jersey. And like anytime he caught the ball, his first two steps were like out of the way in the blink of an eye, and he was like where he needed to be. And once he's beyond the elbow or beyond the free throw line, whether it's a, a pass um, or a floater or a fadeaway or a quick, you know, extra couple of steps in for a layup. Like he's he's all over that shit. And that's, that's the awesome big key, man. Like he had this comment um, after the game and the stand up I saw, and it was like um, to the effect of, "Hey, look, not, I'm not going to be scoring like this every night, but my job is to get into the paint, right, mm-hmm. and make and you know, and I'll be presented with decisions whether it's a kick out or a lob or a finish at the rim, you know. Um, you know, as long as he's getting into the paint, you know, we're good. Um, yeah. And I sort of feel like one of the lingering memories from last year is I'm just sort of settling for that elbow pull-up jump shot, mm-hmm. you know. I, I just feel like he, he's – it's the same with Tatum, really. you just got to take that it's, – it's a little score I do sometimes watching the game. It's just like, okay, did the, how many times did, did the ball touch the paint before – that we took a shot, you know, and we really want the ball should touch the paint just about every time, unless it's like a transition pull up three. Sure. You yeah. know? Um, and that's, so that's, that's basically, yeah, that's like a, I think that's a much better um, measure of uh, whether you feel he's performing at the level. Well, it's a much better measure of where he's at. Okay. If he catches it, is he shooting a three or is he getting a paint touch? If he's getting one of those, like it's the same with Tatum, same with Brown, like, well, less so with Brown, I think, because Brown's um, we're still like he's in much improved decision making. But particularly with Tatum and Hayward, I want to see paint touches when they touch the ball. Yeah, I want to see them putting pressure on the defense, not letting them off easy. Yeah, and even if that's a kick out to a three, because none of our guys, uh, with the exception of Smart at, at times and Kemba towards the end of the game, were hitting their threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know these are these are pull up threes. These are um, possessions where we don't get those paint touches. Um, I, I feel like you know along those lines, if if Hayward in particular were hitting his threes, Tatum he wasn't hitting his either, unfortunately, but still finished with decent percentages. If Hayward were hitting his threes tonight, uh, he would have dropped fifty. You know he had he had a, a several open three point attempts that if they went down and he started to get that rhythm along with what he was already doing. Um, I, think, I felt I like he would have gone for 50. I think we can do the math on that, bro. I think he um, <laughs> would have gotten three extra threes, which is nine points, and he got 39, so he would have gone for 48. <laughs> Not quite sure. <laughs> well, close enough. And if he gets close rolling enough. in that sense, maybe they yeah. set up a few more attempts for him. You, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, let, yeah, let, let, yeah. Me have, let me dream. Let uh, me dream, Joe. <laughs> I need this. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. He would have. Um, maybe. It, he <laughs> you may been, also be if right. If he had made all his threes, he would have gone 20 for 20. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. Very shooting. efficient. Um, very, very efficient. A couple of things there. So uh, posted to the sub by user bkilpatrick3347. It was a tweet by Justin Kubatko. I, I promised myself I would Google Justin Kubatko and, and like credit him properly. I'm, I'm assuming he's some sort of journalist or, or writer on the Celtics beat. Anyway, he tweeted, The Celtics' Gordon Hayward shot 16 for 16 on two-pointers tonight. It's the most two-pointers made in a game without a miss since Wilt Chamberlain also went 16 for 16 on March 19th, 1967. Uh, a while between innings there, Joe, but uh, obviously we could, start, yeah, we could start to draw the comparisons, the obvious comparisons between Gordon Hayward and Wilt Chamberlain. There are many. So uh, <laughs> it's good, many. good to have a guy like that on our team. <laughs> Um, no, but I'm, I'm excited because I, I remember when we first signed Hayward, there was this collective like, oh, imagine what Brad Stevens could do with a guy like Gordon Hayward and his offense. Like we were mm-hmm. kind of always, we were one guy away there for a little while there with that Isaiah Thomas team. Um, but since then, we've been deprived of that version of Hayward. But now, like if he really is back or close to it, I'm starting to get pretty excited again. Like he really was thriving today. It makes a big difference, man. Is like you know we've got three pretty legitimate playmakers with um with smart him and um, 
and Hayward. I feel like we, we almost need his game, maybe. This is the thought that's going on in my head. We've kind of gone from a team that like is kind of loaded with three-point shooting. Like you think about last year going in, we're like, oh my gosh, we can put Kyrie, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and Horford out as a starting lineup. All of them are 40-plus percent three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's not quite the same. Like Kimber's good, but he's more like a 30. You know what I mean? He's good. He's like a just above average three-point shooter who can sure. build off really difficult attempts, which is mm-hmm. super useful. But Kimber's not like knocked down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, And Brown, Brown's like, I think Brown's definitely a slightly above average three-point shooter, but he's not a 40% guy. It's really just Tatum and um, Tatum and Hayward are the three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a result, you know, to put pressure on the defense, we, we, we need those paint touches and Gordon's just a more effective provider of those than, um, you know, than, than really the other two guys, you know, our other two wings. So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Um, I feel like he's just more essential now also than what he would have been in a, in a prior iteration of the Celtic. Yeah, I agree. I, I found myself thinking for the first time ever today, like about the end of contract situation for Hayward yeah. and, and getting a little anxious about it. Like, <laughs> oh crap. Like, you know, obviously he hasn't lived up to his contract so far, but like now it looks like we kind of need him to be decent. And um, yeah, for the first time I found myself concerned. Totally. I mean, <laughs> He can't live up to the value of his contract. That's impossible, but it's sunk costs now, right? So sure, yeah. Um, so you know, can he live up to this year's this year's contract? Uh, maybe. I mean, what he is right now is like marginal for what he's getting paid. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he's getting paid so much money. Yeah, and it's he's really going to opt in next year for sure. You reckon? You reckon he's opting in? Well, uh, it's thirty-four million dollars. I mean, I unless he is like very pro Brad Stevens, very pro. Team Celtics, I'd see him opting in for sure. So I see him. I see him. If he has a good year, I think he'll opt out for sure. Right, and take a a longer term contract. Yeah, well, there could be an extension, but it's it's been mentioned a lot. There's no free agents coming up this year, and there's going to be the usual amount of teams with with cap space. I think for sure he'll opt out unless if he opts in, it's because it's not to our advantage. And do you see him? re-signing with the Celtics for a team-friendly slash longer-term deal, or do you see him just going where the money is? I don't know. Like, he's... I mean, we would think that he's got some loyalty to, to Stevens, right? And I feel like we've... Sh- I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong, obviously watching from afar here, but that we've shown some loyalty to him in, yeah. like, uh, still giving him his minutes and allowing him to heal, like, while on a max contract, like, for this team. <laughs> I don't know. I, I sometimes wonder whether he runs the decision to come to Boston back through his head. Like, bro, Utah, imagine how good Utah would have been with him and Donovan Mitchell. Like, yeah, sure. You know, like, um, and, yeah, and Rubio and Ingles. Oh, man, they would have been, he would never would have caught, the Neville Lobb would have never been thrown by Kyrie. And he would have, you know, his whole, like, his whole life is actually different. Mm-hmm. And I think if this year's not positive, Okay, let's let's say this. I think if this year's positive, I think he opts out and extends. Sure. I don't know, team friendly, but like it'll be like it'll be over a hundred million dollars, whatever the value of the extension is. Uh-huh. Like for sure he's a thirty year old wing in his prime, you know. That's gonna be what his market value is, eh? Yeah. Um but then we've got a we've got a bit of a problem there because we've got Tatum on deck for an extension next summer. Yeah, who we will max. Who we will max. Um it's weird, you know, we, we want to, this year will be so revealing, eh, you know? Yeah. Um, I think he's definitely one to watch at the trade deadline, though, if he's having if he's having a good year. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I, I guess as far as uh, where he re-signs, the, the joke out there is it's basically up to Robin, Robin. Hayward. <laughs> to start, you know, Gordon, I let you make one decision. We went to Boston. <laughs> it's cold as fuck. You broke your ankle. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't worked out. You know, I'm going to call the shots again. Uh, I'm un- unplugging the computer. You're gonna listen to me, and we're gonna we're gonna move back to San Diego and play for the Clippers. And then she gets on on Doc Rivers and Jerry West and moves the Clippers <laughs> down to San Diego as well. Just has to get away. Fucking Robin Haywood. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, though, man. Look, Robin Haywood is fine, man. I like, completely agree. Yeah, I would like, I would listen to her as well. <laughs> like, if you were, okay, a little aside here, but like, 
Imagine looking like how Gordon Hayward looked back in college, bro, and then you land <laughs> Robin Hayward. Like, I'm not going to lie, man. I'd be taking my marching orders from there too. <laughs> yeah. Also, great uh, scouting ability there by Robin Hayward. Robin like, she, she ha- saw yeah. the uh, the NBA superstar well before he blossomed into such a thing. I know. Uh, she maybe we should get her on the staff. front office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Robin uh, Hayward's it's... the gym of the main red claws or whatever. <laughs> Develops Taco Fall. <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting. I want to I want to move on and talk about Jason Tatum. I thought it was kind of a weird game from Tatum it's kind of all over the place would have been a more complete game if he was hitting his threes I just felt I was very frustrated by um I don't know if you can call them bunnies because they were three-point shots but they had quite a number of open three-point attempts that he missed and as he's maybe transitioning into this star type player that we were leaning more towards talking about him off the back of the last two games like you kind of want to see him hit these shots consistently uh, like a Paul George, who was the the comparison that we made, and he's not really doing that, and it was very frustrating. I, I wondered if maybe he was a little relaxed, maybe a little cocky after his big game winner the other day. We saw him with that behind the back turnover slash pass thing, which I've never seen from him before. Um, I don't know what, what are your what are your thoughts there on Tatum? I was a little iffy on him after this game. Uh, ben, um, do you want to do a quick Google and uh, let me know what Tatum? Sh- three-point shooting percentages on the season? <laughs> I, I'd, I would imagine it's still quite high. It was 48% before this this game. Um, let's uh, let's take a look. This is, this is some, as Ryan Rossillo would say, this is some great radio. Okay, so... so, <laughs> <laughs> so got it right uh, here. Yeah, so what's, what's he shooting for the season? Uh, it's an excellent question. Uh, filler music. Jason 40. Tatum. I'm at stats.nba.com. I'm uh, typing in Jason Tatum, and I'm at the mercy of my internet 42. connection. Forty-two point nine percent. There you go. Okay. So What's he's he dropped. Shoot? He's dropped <laughs> quite a bit. Dropped five percent in a game. <laughs> What's he shooting over his career? You got that there? Uh, no, I don't have that. He's got. He shoots forty-two, forty point two percent. He's an elite three-point shooter. Like, and and his field goal percentage for the year has come up to 42.2%. Yeah. I know, it's bizarre. Yeah. So um, let me just make sure I'm, I'm clear on this. You're, you're basically saying that any concerns I have of Tatum after this game um, should be quelled. As far as, three point, as far as three-point shooting? As far as three-point shooting goes, Ben? Mm-hmm. Yes. He I just is want a the best. Proven, proven commodity as a three-point shooter. It's one the best for our guys, man. It's <laughs> one the best for them. Yeah, just, I just want them to be their best selves. Um, yeah. Thank you for three that. Three point. Just, just to set you at ease, man. Three-point shooting comes and goes. Like, sure. It'll come and go on a night-to-night basis. You've got to look at. I think the bunnies. Like he definitely. He. I don't know. He had a miss on a post-up tonight. He made mm. a great move. He did something. I was. He, he, it was in the fourth quarter. He caught the ball in the post up. He did this series of pumps. I was like, oh, I need to put that in my game because yeah. <laughs> one of the dangers on a post up, right, is you just hold the ball too still. And then it's a, and then it's a, it's just a, it's, you know, it's low hanging fruit for a guard to come and swipe. If you keep totally. pumping it, you know, if you keep pumping it, then no one can touch it. And, um, and he just did a, he just did a drop step and he went into it. Like it was a sweet move. Drop step, wide open lap, and he just muffed it. Um, yeah. Those sorts of things, those are mental errors, you know, and I think he's having a few mental errors. I think one thing I'm noticing from Tatum, like I can see it happens, it feels like it happens three times every game. He thinks he gets fouled on a drive and he does that thing where he pokes like two hands up like yes. like that, like the touchdown symbol. Yep. He does it all the time, man. And I wonder if he's getting a bad rap with the refs because he normally doesn't get fouled. Tonight he did one where he blatantly pushed off. Mm-hmm. Like it was obvious that he pushed off. This was in... I want to say the second quarter, um, pushed off and he, and he didn't get the call and he got called for a push. You know, it was just obvious. I'm like, man, you got to chill out. Like you did that shit, you know, like, yeah, totally. Um, those are probably some of the things I'm going to be looking for going forward from him. Is he going to clean that up a bit? He didn't get to the line at all tonight. And yeah, he, he is doing a lot of losing the ball under the hoop and then throwing his arms up and, and complaining to the ref, which is annoying me. Um, and sure, um, differing opinions on on the missed three-point shots there, Joe, um, which is great. It's good to have a bit of... Uh, Styles make fights, right? <laughs> it's good to have a bit of um, differing opinions as well on the podcast. Makes makes for, for good radio, I suppose. But um, <laughs> one, I guess, positive to take from that is compared to 
uh, last year and the year before with Tatum. If he's not having a good game from beyond the arc, he's getting to the bucket. Like if his shot isn't falling, he can now just revert to driving and scoring, um, which he did in this game. And if he can do that consistently, he's going to have a great season. And he's going to have those games where he can piece together good three-point shooting and good getting to the bucket and occasionally drawing fouls as well. And, um, you know, pair that with with the season that Kem is having and we'll we'll get to him in a moment and and Hayward and his uptrend. Um, I'm optimistic. I feel good. So, so Tatum's going to have a couple of 40-point games this year. For sure. Oh, man, I hope so. That would he, make he me he, so he happy. Will. He will. He's like, I, like I'm, I've never quite been comfortable with the idea of Tatum. I think this is reasonably well-established. I've never been quite comfortable with the idea of him as like this elite, elite, elite sort of prospect. But he's a clear all-star. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, this is his third year. He's going to make the leap. Um, it, it's it's going to happen. Like it, it, that's something I think you can feel very comfortable. That doesn't mean he's the next Kevin Durant, but it, you know, he's he's an all star level player just waiting to happen. So yeah, um, Kevin Durant's are hard to to come by, unfortunately. But um, what what he could be is the sort of player, or he and and Jalen Brown could be the sort of players that attract you know a third all star eventually. And you know, because Paul Pierce was not a Kevin Durant. Ray Allen no, was not no, a Kevin Durant. KG was close to maybe equal to a Kevin Durant. But if you have the kind of talent that attracts, you know, a third all-star to your team, that's when you can start thinking about titles and, and dynasties and things like that. Yeah, I think Paul Pierce is... It sounds sort of almost obvious now because he was so... He was compared to him so much when we first drafted him, right? Mm-hmm. But I think this is a really good comp just for sort of a, a career kind of, um, like... Not, not. I think they're very different stylistically. Like, actually, very, very different stylistically. But I mean, everything about them looks different to me. But I think that's the sort of kind of career, um, you know, that he might have. Like, that's the sort of stature I can kind of see him being, which is sort of like really, really good. Not elite of the elite of the elite, but like really freaking good. You know, yeah, franchise um, legend, multi-time all-star, potential Hall of Famer kind of thing, yeah. but like, needs I'll, help to win a title. Yeah, totally. Like, I would say Paul Pierce is, I mean, in my mind, at least, he's better than Paul George. Mm-hmm. You know, in my sure. mind. Um, Mine too. And he's clearly <laughs> not as good. And But he's Paul Pierce is less of a player than Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion. Yeah, and Harden and guys like that. Well, Harden, I'm not good. <laughs> I think I don't, Harden, what Harden does is, like, the stat lines are eye-popping, but I'm not, not a believer. The, I'm not yeah. a believer. I'm not for the purists. Not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not for the purists. <laughs> or on, you just think, I mean, how much would it suck to play with James Harden? Yeah, like, and honestly, even to watch him, if you were a, t- a season ticket holder for the oh, Rockets and you're just like, oh, I'm just coming to another game to watch uh, this guy shoot like 20 free throws again. I know. Awesome. Boring. <laughs> Lots of time for toilet breaks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just horrendous. And, and I think, you know, he, um, it's just something about... I mean, we're going on a bit of a side, you know, we're going on a bit of a tangent here, but there's something about Harden's spirit that is just not like, it's just, it just doesn't have, to me, he just doesn't have that dog, you know, like uh-huh. even before Paul Pierce was a champion, like an NBA champion, he was a champion, you know, like he, sure, yeah, you know, like he had he the was, fight in him. Yeah. You know, he had those games on his resume, those meaningful games. Like what's Harden's signature game? It's a good question. I can't think. Like, I, I think immediately. I think about playoff games, and none spring to mind. I, the signature games that he's lost, you know, like right. signature Rockets Getting losses, blocked by Manu. Game yeah. six against the Warriors. Yeah, you know, like, getting just... sucked in by Marcus Smart on on consecutive <laughs> charges in the regular season. <laughs> Bro, seriously, at, at when it's you know nut cutting time, I honestly think Marcus Smart's gonna <laughs> influence winning more than James Harden. Sure, Ergo, I, like that. I would not trade Mark Smart for James Harden straight <laughs> yeah. up. I would I love not. That. Nut cutting time. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen for any of us. Um, I, I do want to finish up on a saying. That just popped into it, my head. It is now. <laughs> it's out there in the world. Uh, underrated stat for Tatum. He did have a game best defensive rating of eighty-seven point two. Uh, and I think you can attribute that to his off-ball defense. I was reading there was like a pre-game thread on Celtics Reddit, um, which I was all up in just due to a, a, a 
multi-day lack of Celtics content. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, we don't have to wait very long for the next game against the, the Hornets. But um, there was some talk about Tatum not being a very good on-the-ball defender, um, but an uh, exquisite, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, an excellent uh, off-ball defender or team defender. And he really proved that. There were a couple of steals that he sort of uh, jumped up on off the ball there. Um, like the notable one is the first possession of the second half there. Um, mm. But yeah, defensive rating, 87.2. Like long boy, he's really showing it there. Long limbs, like disrupts, um, you know, actions that the that the um, opposing team runs and, and really gets himself in a position there to succeed and, and create fast break opportunities, which is great to see. I f- I, like this is one of those things where I'm like, I'm going to have to be like, <laughs> I'm going to have to admit, like, I don't watch, like, I'm really trying to train myself to not watch the ball, yeah, especially hard, right? when we're on, on defense. And, like, over the course of this pod, I feel like I've gotten so much better at it. I'm sure you do as well, too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, But I'm not yet at the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm really comfortable with that, that I know what I saw from a team defense perspective. Like, even if I, if I can see what's happening across the whole team, like, the, the numbers are kind of fuzzy to me, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, I'll be like, oh, shoot, there's a rotation miss, but I won't necessarily know who's done it, you know? Like, sure, who's yeah. missed the rotation until maybe the players replay. I can remember Ojale missing one rotation earlier, you know? But but it's like, I find it quite difficult to do it in real time to track where the mistake is coming from, if any. Mm-hmm. So you know, work ons, work ons for the team, work ons for the Celtic Reddit podcast team. We want to give you quality <laughs> content. Absolutely, it it is fun to watch, like just uh, like spot watch random players, particularly yes. on defense. Marcus Smart uh, and and now Tatum. I highly recommend you know listeners out there to watch Tatum on defense of the ball because he does do a very good job of jumping or almost jumping the passing lanes, but not. Over committing, yeah, um, he's very good at that. He's a very underrated off-ball defender. Hence the you know the the game best defensive rating there. Um, if he can just get to the line a little bit more, I really I'm very passionate about that aspect. Like that, it's a real glaring hole in his game. If he could just get like six to eight free throw attempts per game, I really feel like that completes him. And we talked about the Paul Pierce comp. <laughs> before like Paul Pierce lived at the free throw line he absolutely lived at the free throw line like throughout his career um really want to see that from Tatum yeah this is slight he has trended upwards throughout his career I guess yeah but um yeah absolutely but zero attempts today unfortunately mm, mm. yeah no it's um it it needs you're right it does need to happen it just makes the game so much easier it's like why Walker you know can like I never, I don't really feel like Walker in general is hurting us, you know. Even though he doesn't even shoot a great percentage, but you know, you've got to look at points per position used, right? You know, what's that? There's, I mean, true shooting percentage, right? Is another way of saying. It. Mm-hmm. I, I get, I get all these advanced stats confused, but all I know is if the position ends with you, how often is that ball going on the basket? You know, sure. that's the how many points we're getting. You know, that's that's what really matters. Um, and it's it's it's. You know, just keep. I was talking with um with a friend of mine. We're gonna dust off a cricket analogy, but like, you know, when you're in those middle over stages, you know, haven't called the power play yet. You uh-huh. Just need to keep the ones and twos coming. You know, yep. just those. That's what your free throws are. You know, <laughs> sure. Just keeps keeps the run rate up. Just keeps the run rate up. You know, we don't need to go. We don't need to go above a runner ball. We just need to, you know, keep ticking over at four or five. You know, keep wickets in hand. Yeah, mate. And free so, throws are like that, you know? It's the mark of a good side. And Brad Stevens says it as well, like, particularly in comeback situations, um, we've got to hit singles. It's not mm. about home runs. It's about hitting singles. Um, yeah. And I think this team is about that. But uh, for for Tatum there, singles is getting to the line and literally getting singles, singles. I think. Yeah. <laughs> literally um, one point at a time. <laughs> that, that would be nice. <laughs> and just slowing the game down and um, and getting some extra points uh, and, and creating a, a, an extra threat in our offense, I suppose, the, the threat of, of Tatum getting to the line because he does knock him down when he's up there. Oh, and also the other advantage is that your, your defense is set. Like mm-hmm. from just about, like you, you make a layup and your defense is not necessarily set, right? You know, sure. like that's a classic one where a guy makes a layup, falls down, the other team just roars back yeah. in transition, bang, gives it, and you give it straight back up again, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, you mentioned Kemba Walker a second ago, almost a sneaky 25 points tonight with six threes. Mm. I feel like he is quickly 
becoming our most solid player, our most reliable, consistent player. Maybe that's no surprise given um, like his history in the in the league, and like he is a savvy veteran player. Him along with uh, Gordon Hayward, he got unlucky with some charge calls throughout the game, but in general, I've been impressed with his defense. Um, like relative to his size and impact that he can have physically mm. on the floor. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. How did you feel about Kemba Walker after this game? I mean, he's really good. I think, you know, when you when you talk about Tatum's consistency, it's almost like well, I feel like what you're getting at is like, what can I expect of him? What's the, what's the median, not what's the average? You know what, I'm, you know sure. what I mean? Like yep. what, what, what I want a low variance player, you know? Great accounting terms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want to, like, I feel like Walker feels like maybe he's a slightly lower variance player. Um, and that's that those free throws really help with that once again, you know, like it's a, it's a more reliable technique for, for, or strategy for generating points, you know, um, that I would, one thought I did have, um, I still kind of like the ball better in Hayward's hands mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And I know if I was playing, I'd prefer to play on Hayward's team. Yeah. Um, yep. Kemba does have, there's a few too many times where we go up the floor and there's no passes and he takes a shot. Like, I just don't, I don't, it's like, I'm, I'm cool enough with it when it goes in, you know, and it's a decisive move. But I'm like, hmm, I don't think, that has a, a chilling effect on the team dynamic, I think. So I just yep. one thing to watch, you know. I I do feel like with that, I know I know what you're talking about. I do feel like that is Kemba trying to, like he he's trying to detect the moment where like okay, like our offense is kind of fizzling out a little bit. I, yeah. I just need to come up here and get a quick bucket. I think yeah. that it's like a a really well, at least attempted, well thought out move by Kemba to to do that to to bring it up and without any passes or paint touches or any of those things that we love to just like shoot the ball. Mm. Um, whereas with Kyrie last year, I think that was more about him like getting his mm. and like his right to a possession to himself, as opposed to Kemba doing it more in the flow of, or in this case, the lack of flow of our offense. Like it, it's, it's a team first decision, even if he isn't passing the ball, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think tempo, like the, just, it sounds funny. Like you can take what is ostensibly, I guess the same shot, mm-hmm. but if you, if you do the James Harden go, between your legs, you know, ten times, and then make your move. It just feels like you're. It feels like it's way more energy sapping than yeah. you're being a dick. Okay, basically. yeah, yeah. <laughs> then okay, he's come down quick, bang, straight off the screen from Tice. He's into his shot. You know, uh-huh. like I sort of feel like the latter is definitely preferable to the to the former. I feel like it feels like that. You, you, it feels like you know you talk about flow. It feels like that doesn't disrupt the flow as much as. Because you know the ball's moving, it sucks having to run all the way down the floor just to run all the way back if he misses. But um, do, do you know what I mean? Like you just want to see decisiveness. Yeah. And and I'll give Kimber that he doesn't strike me as an undecisive player. There's always a plan. You know. Yeah, it seems that way, and that's where like the knowledge of his role really comes to shine. Where even in a game where Gordon Hayward is is having that kind of game, even despite all of that, and, and you know, maybe some would say feed the hot hand. Kemba still like fits in that groove when when the time comes to it. Like he did hit that clutch three. Oh yeah, uh, that's, that's a different game. story. We needed that at that time. There was that was the right decision to make. But, I mean, sure. that, that's what I'm talking about. Like that that kind of thing where, despite everything that's going on, and despite Hayward's presence on the court and everything that he was doing on the offensive end, Kemba still was like, no, it's it's time for me to now be a little bit selfish and, and do what I'm paid to do. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, that particular instance, I was fine with the shot. But there was, um, I think it was probably even the next position down. You know, he came down and he shot he shot an elbow pull up going to his left. And I didn't like that shot. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, I, I like, I want to see, I, it probably, I always feel like we get a lot more pressure on the opposition when we get Hayward, coming off you know off you know that there's an action that they use a lot of the time which is just they run that um they run the screen i I don't know the name for the action at all but you know when say someone brings it up and like if i say the slot do you know what i mean by the slot i think so like so the slot's like it's not the 45 it's like in between the 45 and the top of the key it's kind of like if you imagine the elbows Mm -hmm. like of and kind of 
maybe take half a step out from the elbow towards the sideline and then go back above the three-point line, kind of in there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So kind of that's kind of the slot. So you can imagine like somebody bringing the ball up in one of the slots and then on the other side of the floor, someone sets a screen for the eventual recipient of a pass. They come around it. That's a really common action. I just, I really like that. You know, like I way prefer that than him dribbling off a screen, you know, yeah, um, or hitting Hayward in that action. Yeah. And there's so many options off the catch for the recipient of that, that first mm. screen as well. Um, it's a very, very common Brad Stevens action. Yeah. The other one we haven't actually seen a lot of this year um, is this thing called pistol action. Now, do you know what pistol action is? Uh, I've heard of it. I don't. I couldn't describe it to you though. Well, I think I can. So we saw it heaps. It was like a staple. So you know how like you see with IT, you'd see it so much IT and Horford. So it's when IT's bringing it up the floor. Horford steps above the three point line, and IT passes him the ball, and he's on the run. And then Horford kind of sets a screen for him and gives him a handoff at the same time. Oh yeah, sure. That's pistol action. Oh, okay. And we yeah. haven't like that was a real common like man. We used to do that all the time, and I feel mm-hmm. like we haven't seen as much of that for some reason this season. I'm, I'm why keeping do you, on. Why do you think that is? I don't the lack know. of a, a a big man with the um the acumen of, of Horford or um possibly difference it, in, in style between between Kemper and it. That's a good question. It probably you know it must be like because it's actually a really difficult thing. You know, like, uh, well, my experience coaching like young kids to do dribble handoffs was actually a really difficult thing to teach them how to do. Um, yeah. And I guess at an NBA level, you know, it's maybe a bit more difficult for, I don't know, maybe it's more difficult for Robert Williams to, to do it. You need a good screen setter to do yeah. it. Yeah. Amir Johnson was a really good screen setter when he was with us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'll keep an eye on it though. Um, see if it sort of comes in a bit more. Yeah, please do keep an eye on it. Report back to us in uh, in future yeah. episodes us, and, and, and we'll unpack it. X and O stuff that we don't know. <laughs> like I'd actually love to hear that. Like I mean, I yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm very much an armchair critic, you know. So I try and pick these things up as I go. But um, yeah, that's that's part of the fun. I want to know more. Celtics Reddit, educate me. Definitely part of the fun is is trying to learn more about like the technicalities of, of the game, the technical aspects of the game as you watch it. Um, mm. and then look for those things in, in, in future games. But yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you are an X's and O's person, uh let us know in the comments of, of this uh like the Reddit thread comments for this episode. Uh, because we want to factor that into not only how we watch the games, but how we discuss the games. Like we, we are nerds. We love that stuff. So um, please enlighten us. We, we'd like to hear that. Um, before we move on to some honorable mentions, so we've talked about Hayward, we've talked about Tatum, we've talked about Kemba. Uh, a user carefully wasn't posted on Celtics Reddit. After the Cavs game, Kemba, Jason, and Hayward are all averaging at least 20 points per game. And Jalen Brown is averaging 17 points per game. Really excited to see. What I take from that is I'm really excited to see Jalen come back because like, we're starting to see some team cohesion and some individual flourishes. And I'm excited for the full complement to like put that together and see if we can do it. We, we couldn't do it last year, but we've got some different personnel. Um, I'm excited for like that four-headed monster with, with Jalen Brown being the fourth head. Um, to put it all together, I, I do feel like mentally these guys can form like Voltron, for lack of a better term, <laughs> and, and and make it happen. Uh, like Jalen Brown's a smart guy; he's probably sitting at home watching this, like excitedly considering how he can like fit into this puzzle as a piece. Um, and any thoughts there? Like we're going to be welcoming Jalen Brown back soon. Well, do you think? Do you think that um, these averages would hold if if they're all back? I mean, that's I, that's the question. I don't know. I hope so. Like, I I think for the team to succeed, it kind of they kind of need to. And whether it's that whether that is everyone, you know, scoring eighteen to twenty two points each night, everyone being those four guys, or based on matchups, everyone taking turns of um, of taking the reins of the offense um, on any given night, those are the two things that could lead to to those guys holding their averages, if that makes sense. Um, as to whether or not we can do that with some level of consistency, I, I don't know. I feel like this is our first and best opportunity to do that, and I'm excited to see how it plays out, but I I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I know, 
but it's very, very, very unlikely. It'd be great. Like the fan of me loves, like I actually did the exact same thing. I was like, Ooh, I saw that, that, you know, all three of them were over 20. I was like, I wonder what Brown's averaging. He was, he had a pretty good start. Mm -hmm. It's just that the style of our players truthfully isn't like complimentary enough that they're going to be able to do that. Like for, for to have, you know, that amount of guys averaging that high amount of points, you need guys who score in really different ways. Like, yeah. you know, that's why I say Steph and Clay, you know, can do it because Clay is just like, he doesn't require any time on the ball. You know, you need to uh -huh. play at a really high tempo for guys to keep those, keep those averages. I don't know what, where we rank in pace, but I don't think we'd be way up there. doesn't feel like we play particularly quick. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I sort of look at it like I don't – like in my mind, I don't see – I see Hayward as a guy who plays really well off the ball. I don't see any of the other three guys as guys who – like they're fine, but it's not like they're killers off the ball, uh -huh. you know? Um, and it's not like I regard them – I don't regard any of those – like I regard Hayward as a plus passer. I don't regard any other three as like plus passes, you know, fine. Like they're fine. They're going to be good, but those, that's kind of the, the stuff you need in the soup for it to, for it to, for that sort of those averages to hold. Um, yeah. I think in reality, most of the points for Brown are still going to kind of come from transition mm -hmm. um, and, um, and spot ups. And, and there, there might not be that many of those to go around. There might only be you know, 15 points a game in it for him, which is great. You know, that's his role. Um, Kemba ho holds the ball a little more than a, than a Steph Curry, I would say, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. So that's, that's why I sort of see, I sort of, I would, I would expect it to peak back a bit. Yeah. Like we mentioned, just to add to that, like we mentioned how Kemba can get to the line and that's a really nice welcome new addition to, to our squad. I, I think there's an element there and where Tate, uh, Tatum Brown can get his is also getting to the line or at least penetrating. Like I, I feel like that's the one thing that we're really missing from the absence of, of Jalen Brown is like his ability to really penetrate and get mm. to the bucket and probably finish a little bit more consistently than Jason Tatum. Um, so that's going to be a welcome addition back to our offense, I think, particularly in, in you know, hairy games like, like today where it's like it's a little closer than it should be and we just need a couple of buckets to sort of pat out that lead a little bit. I, I'm going to welcome back the addition of, of Jalen Brown in that sense. Yeah, um, I think but, we miss his physicality a lot. Yeah. So There's just a tone to the way he plays when he's playing well, which is very aggressive. You know, yeah, and just the sure thing that is him at least getting into the paint, and then you go back to talking about those paint touches. It comes down to his decision making. Like we know he can finish. It can he extend that by making the right play, a la Gordon Hayward as well. I think that's when we start to get into a position where we we see that cohesiveness that I'm mm. I'm hoping for. Um, do you get a chance to listen to the Bill Simmons basketball? Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast yet? I listened to I listened to like an hour of the Steve Kerr one. Yeah, they talk about the secret mm. Isaiah Thomas's <laughs> the mm. original Isaiah Thomas's secret. Um, that uh, I, I was just thinking about our team the whole time through listening to that, and obviously like we're not in that tier of of teams that um, employ the use of the secret. But, Are we um, in that tier of podcasters though? I mean. That's uh, an open question. <laughs> not only is our team not in that tier, but this podcast is unfortunately, as much as I'd love to say that we are, also not in that tier at all. Thanks um, for slumming it with us, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm assuming this is, if you're listening, this is the fifth Celtics or NBA-related podcast you've listened yeah. to today. <laughs> we're, we're here when there's no content. Um, but, it, you know, listening to that, it gave me something else to look for. We do we do have some interesting personnel, I guess is what I'm saying. And while it's unlikely given their age, um, like referring in particular to Tatum and, and Brown, it is an exciting thing to look for. I think that uh, we, like you said on the last show, Joe, like they're nice guys and mm. they're smart guys, and there is a chance that they can form something special together. I think. Um, and so that that's the sort of thing that I'm looking for in these in these early games, as far as defining the identity and the personality of these teams. 
Like we know the individual players. So I'm excited to see like what they can do as a whole. Yeah, I, I for me, I still I think that the biggest lever on our ceiling, um, that I don't know if that sentence makes really a lot of sense. Why would a ceiling have a lever? Um, well, the, maybe in a warehouse, the, the that, <laughs> activates a, a vent. <laughs> the fact that that seems to have the greatest influence on our ceiling. This is my sort of trying to be a basketball nerd kind of uh-huh. pretend insight. But I think if 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 um if Williams holds up defensively better than any of our cent- other centers, I think that turns us from. I think that turns us into a little bit of a warrior's light. Our team sort of starts to, the construction of it starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. If he's, you know, if he's able to stay with guards on switches and able to keep, you know, the other team's big guys off the glass, um, which, you know, I think there's been some, you know, reasons for some optimism there. If he does do that, it just changes the way our team looks. Our, I think Grant Williams is probably in our best five, you know, um, I think he functions better than even a smart, you know, um, smart is still a guard and offensively he still requires guard like opportunities to do. He needs his pick yeah. and rolls. He needs to spot up threes. Whereas Williams sort of seems to be able to function, uh, in the high post, like on the nail, you know, like when you're in, you know, often if he, if he catches it on the free throw line, he's going to turn around, he's going to make good plays there. He's a role threat going to the rim. Um, yeah, I just I think that's the thing I'm watching. If Grant Williams is really good and he's able to play a lot of center minutes, I think our teams could be one of those teams that surprises. Like, there's always a team we talked about it last week. There's always a team that surprises, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Milwaukee just exploded last year out of kind of out of nowhere, really. Sure. You know, the Warriors the, the year they won it was kind of out of nowhere. You know. Yeah. Um, Williams, you know, I think if we do do that, I think we'll look back and say, oh, it's because Grant Williams was actually able to play 30 minutes a night as a center, you know, and that, that sounds nuts when I say it out loud now, but that's, yeah, that's what, if, if yeah, that's my working hypothesis for the season. Yeah, the space captain. I One of the things I like the most about Grant Williams is that he can be on the court for ages before I notice that he's there. And I think as far as his role, that's actually a really good thing, you know, mm-hmm. because for the fifth option on the team, um, you know, I think about like Terry Rogier and, and maybe more recently Brad Wanamaker, when you first notice them is when they make a mistake and you're mm-hmm. like, shit, like what are they doing out here in you know, crunch time or whatever? You know, why is Brad giving this guy minutes? But, you know, Grant Williams, the first time you notice him is after he's been on the court for like six minutes or whatever. And then he grabs an offensive rebound and, and does something great. And you're like, oh, like how long has he been out on the court for? Do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe I'm just not as a, an attentive watcher of, of hoops as you are, Joe, but I, I feel like there's been several times where that's happened, where I've been surprised that he's been on the court for so long. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't make mistakes, you know, and his, his role is such that he's going to have less opportunities to make mistakes. I find um, he just seems to come up with those scrappy 50-50 balls, man. You know, he's just yeah. like a flanker. Yeah, like, he's a Celtic it's he's great. Celtic. Yeah. We he's, need guys like that. Yeah, he's Marcus Smart's, you know, um you know, he's the spiritual ear to Marcus Smart. <laughs> uh yeah, it's a great segue, Joe, to some honorable mentions. Uh the first one being Smart's defense on Kevin Love. I looked at the stats thinking that I would find something really telling and like, oh, um, you know, on possessions where Kevin Love was defended by Marcus Smart, <laughs> he only shot like ten percent. He actually shot fifty percent. He shot four for eight while he was defended by Marcus Smart. Um, but I think that's fine given the size difference. Uh user Royal Ramble on the post game thread commented on Marcus Smart on that final defensive rebound. Wow, was that comment. And I think they're referring to the box out on Kevin Love sure. during that um that jump ball that uh Kemble yeah, Kemble yeah. Walker had no business winning over Colin Sexton. And if you watch it again, like Marcus Smart just eliminates Kevin Love from <laughs> any existence on the court. Uh, and that ends up being like a really clutch play. Um, I think Smart was really effective there uh, in that sense. I was really, really happy to see that. Yeah. Um, well, the thing about defense, right, is that I guess maybe the reasons, one of the reasons why it's so hard to measure is because, okay, Kevin Love's probably going to shoot 50% against a lot of defenders, a lot of really good defenders. It's, it's how many 
how many times did you take away his opportunity, right? Sure. You know, Before like if got you prevented him getting a shot, like there's no measure for shots prevented. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's honestly, that's a massive part of defense, right? It's, yeah. he had to get rid of the ball, you know? Um, you know, or he had to do what he didn't want to do. You know, that's that actually, if you were to define defense, it's making the opposition do what they don't want to do. And Smart's incredible at that. I, I, yeah. I, you'll yeah. never hear me say a bad word. Now you will, maybe. But, um, <laughs> if it gets fat again. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, again, stats nerds, if there's a, you know, hit us up if there's a way of, of tracking um, disruptions, like before the shot, uh, please let us know because we'd be really excited to, um, to, to have the Marcus Smart breakdown on, on disruptions there. Uh, as far as honor- other honorable mentions are concerned, Carson Edwards, we can't not talk about C4. Carson Edwards uh, finally comes to life. I've got his stats here. He, uh, bear with me, five for six from the floor, three for four from three, so shot 75%. Uh, 13 quick points mass. overall. Yeah, <laughs> just quick, quick maths in the head. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess the, the main takeaway there is that not only did he finally hit some shots, but he kind of hit them at the clip that we sort of expect him to. And you think forward to the playoffs and things like that, where like you, you do need a few guys who can come off the bench and have an impact. And I'm excited that Carson Edwards is doing this now, you know, six games into the season so that he can potentially work himself to a point where he can be an impact player off the bench in the playoffs and, and in subsequent years. It was really just good to see him get his and like play the game that we know he can play. I guess the, um, the, the saying that comes to mind when I think about Carson Edwards is if, if you throw enough mud at the wall, <laughs> some of it's going to stick, right? Yeah. And um, substitute Car- mud for another word, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Carson Edwards is a certified mudslinger. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so some of it's going to stick. And uh, it's, he was due. You know, he, he's he's um, he's a good three point shooter. He, I expect his averages will even out. Um, I that I wasn't. I sort of felt like the flow of the game tonight was the bench really needed to kick on, you know, and just push that that seven point lead or nine point lead out. They needed to push it out to fifteen, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Carson was a plus two tonight, you know, which is it's not negative, <laughs> but uh, it's barely but, positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, tonight it had a feel, felt a little empty calories. Um, to me tonight, um, just because we didn't push the lead out, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I felt like he made a really good, like in the first Knicks game, I felt like he made a really good impact. For example, um, so yeah, yeah uh, his shooting's gonna come and go, um, and more often than not, it'll um, come. I guess. <laughs> oh, well, it's gonna have to because I don't think his defense is gonna come necessarily. Uh, of all the people, like we, we we talked about the lax perimeter defense on the Cavs. I feel like watching the highlights again, watching the replays, it was Carson Edwards who was getting caught up on those perimeter screens by by the, the Cavs big men. Yeah. For the most part, it was, um yeah, Edwards and Brad Wanamaker who were just getting completely tangled up on those screens and allowing those those um, open shots. And hopefully, you know, obviously Edwards is a rookie. Hopefully that's something that he can educate himself around because he was just really getting, he was like a ball in a pinball machine there a few times and it was, <laughs> it was just messy um and just allowing those you know insanely wide open shots and so he can go back on the other end and hit as many threes as you like but he's only going to end up with a you know a, essentially a neutral plus minus in in plus two there like you yeah. said joe yeah i mean i guess maybe that's why he shaved shaved the locks off it makes the pinballing a little less obvious to the naked eye <laughs> yeah yeah maybe a little less uh flapping wanted, around the dreads to, there he wanted to go under the radar in the team film sessions a little more so <laughs> yeah so look, looking to blend in. few people today who were difficult to recognize i genuinely at one point thought that carson edwards was grant williams because they <laughs> they both possess a certain thickness and now they also possess the same haircut and uh shammy as well was I yeah I was like that's just player X yeah. you know two way player whoever <laughs> it took me a while to recognize him. Um, back to honorable mentions very quickly. Great minutes from the Time Lord. I thought he has very very good chemistry with Gordon Haywood and continued his amazing passing. Especially one play towards I think it was the end of the second half. 
he had this like scoop pass um, into the paint for a, a backdoor Hayward layup, and it was like. I don't know how to... I think it's a scoop pass, like the sort of sideways two-handed... Sure, sure. It looks like a dance move. Um, and it's <laughs> but, always so impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You can't see yeah, Joe yeah, now, but, but he's, he's doing like a two-handed BG sort of staying alive motion. Yeah. Um, staying but, alive with two hands. I believe that's the, that's the technical name. The technical the term. I've heard Hubie Brown say it <laughs> several times. And uh, when it results in uh, suddenly the ball appears beyond the defense in the hands of one of our guys for an open layup, it's very impressive and... Um, you know, it's seldom uh, put on display by a big man. So that was really good to see. Yeah, it's his passing skill that gives me hope that he's an actual basketball player. Hell yeah. Um, I'm yeah. completely behind the time, Lord. I, um, I love him. Yeah, I mean, he's got happy feet, though. He wants those blocks. He's got a little bit of white side-itis, man. He does. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it really hurts us. It's a condition. It's a condition. It's a condition, all right. It's known. <laughs> Can it be cured? That's yeah. the question. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, a couple of post-game thread comments by the wonderful folks of Celtics Reddit. Hawk Ed, Hawk Egg rather, on the end of the game says, can we talk about the last couple of plays? Kemba gets a good look on a three that misses. Gordon comes flying in and out of nowhere to grab the rebound on his 39th point. Then on the inbounds play, Kemba comes flying in out of nowhere to snag the steal. I had been worried when the Cavs went on that 9-0 run mm. that we were imploding. This team, period. The, I guess the point there, reiterating that this team, compared to last year, is finding ways to get it done. You know, to go back to our um, our chat about what sort of a girl this um, this team is, <laughs> I feel safe with this team, you know? Yes. I feel, I feel <laughs> you, safe. You could walk down a, a quiet street in a bad <laughs> neighborhood with this team and you're going to get home safe. You're going to get tucked in. Nice little cup of sleepy time tea. She's not going to embarrass me. You know, (laughs) she's not going to break my heart. She's going to communicate effectively. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's core core values of any successful relationship. Mm. Uh, A couple more comments here. On team character, user father of pugs, 12, says, I actually expect this team to win close games. I didn't last year. I love the way this team is playing. Um, And on the refereeing in this game, user... Dusting off rights. These officials can eat shit. And the reply <laughs> by user certain bounce says, I hope they all lost their life savings on this game and their families leave them. <laughs> um, it's not, not too rich at all. I, you know, I wholeheartedly back up that statement. Fuck those refs. They were terrible. I, I said it before, but Kemba Walker, he got called on a double dribble. There are a couple of charge calls that I think that he really deserved. Um, and he just didn't get them. And that was very frustrating. It did feel like that the refs, you know, I hate to be too much of a Tommy Heinz and you know, too much of a homer, but it did feel like there were some garbage calls from the ref and they were, they were maybe trying to keep the Cavs in this game. Just a little bit, a little bit of home cooking there. <laughs> well, who can really know? <laughs> I was thinking... Is, we like, can speculate. We, we can do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a very funny... I think maybe we could do a segment, you know, like user rants, you know, and maybe we <laughs> yeah. can read them out. Yeah, in a ranty uh, voice. Uh, I'm totally up for that. And finally, user Reese Chops 44 writes: Through six games, the Celtics have the fewest turnovers in the league, with 72. I guess the caveat being that there are a few teams who have played one less game, um, but it's a good sign that we're in control of the ball there. Um, now we're about to wrap this one up, Joe. Any any final thoughts for the folks out there before we uh, move on? Oh, sorry, sorry, folks out there. It's eleven twenty-two p.m. in New Zealand, and I'm battling. I'm battling. I'm battling. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. It's it's getting quite late there in New Zealand. We're going to wrap this one up. That'll just about do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Thanks as always for joining us, and please go ahead and do us a solid and subscribe, rate, comment, share and do all of those wonderful things to help us out. And if you want to get in touch, the best way is just to comment on the Reddit thread for this episode. Let us know your thoughts, and we might even discuss them on the next pod. Who knows? Meanwhile, the Celtics... If you are so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) You could be one of the lucky ones. There are dozens, dozens of fans out there. Dozens. Meanwhile, the Celtics are 5-1 and one and tied for first in the Eastern Conference. Coming up, we have the Hornets and the Spurs, both on the road. Joe, do you still think we're going to drop one of those games? 
Yeah, I do. I think we're going to drop the Spurs game. We, we very rarely win there. But um, I'm hopeful, you know, like looking ahead, I think uh, a 9-4, and four, well, I was talking earlier today before the win, mm. um, I thought a 9-4 and four month, finished the month, was in play, and so that would be 8-4 and four now. Um, so we've got that. Yeah, I think I think the schedule's broken really favourably for us. The, um, you know, the Warriors aren't much chop. The Kings aren't much chop on that Western Road swing. The Suns might be good, but, you know, they're still got to prove it yet. I think we've got the Nuggets as well mm-hmm. on that trip. Um, there's one other team, it's five gamer. You know, but it's not too bad, you know. Like, it could be a lot worse, and it's, it's good to get it all out of the way. Because, you know, we've got 16 road games. That's a third of them done. So, um, yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like the Spurs game is going to be our first test in a while, you know, since the, the Bucks game. So particularly excited for that one. It's a nice Sunday morning game in, uh, in this part of the world here, uh, Joe. So looking forward to waking up on, on Sunday morning. Um, all right, folks, uh, until then, we'll, we'll see you in a week or so. Go Celtics. Peace. Peace.